Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices that we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips Herb, for Tax Girl. I'm a practicing tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. As states struggle to fill budget holes, politicians are increasingly looking for new sources of revenue. Last month, Maryland passed the nation's first tax on the revenue from digital advertisements sold by companies like Facebook, Google, and Amazon. The governor promised a veto, but the veto was overridden mid-February. Other states have been watching Maryland closely. Connecticut and Indiana have introduced similar digital advertising tax bills, and other states like Nebraska, New York, and West Virginia are talking it up. But are these workable solutions, and what are the potential pitfalls? Here to talk about this today is George Solis, Principal Economist and Tax Policy Advisor at the tax technology company Vertex, Inc. George is an economist, lawyer, and tax professional with over 25 years of experience in international tax and trade compliance, tax planning and controversy, fiscal regulation, and tax economics consulting. Thank you so much for being here today, George. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be with you. So tell us about the tax, first of all, the the Maryland tax. I know that this is something that folks have been kind of maybe hearing about on the news, but maybe they don't really understand what is being taxed. Like, what is the kind of the, the target of the tax? Well, thank you again. This is a very interesting time. And as you mentioned in your introduction, states are looking to feel to fill those uh, budget shortfalls. Mm-hmm. So it presents to them, quite honestly, something that the whole world, the entire globe is experimenting with. And that is, of course, the taxation of the digital economy, and in particularly in our country, e-commerce, as well as other areas. Um, I call it a fiscal cocktail of opportunity because <laughs> what is happening is, yes, it is. It's just not only the timing and the right type of fiscal measures and taxation, but at the moment when the economic declines in the state is being suffered widely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do say suffer because everybody suffers, not only companies, but the taxpayers, the consumers, the governments, the localities, the municipalities. So it is very interesting. The difference that we're beginning to experience is that, for example, in Europe, digital taxation has already commenced and Mm -hmm. it started quite a while ago. And although we are still looking for a regional or a global solution in the regional sense, of course, supranational solutions like in the European Union or a global solution for this uh, same problem with the OECD or the Organization um, of Economic Development Countries, developing countries. So what we what we have here is that the United States or the United States and its states, I should say, are beginning to look at the same opportunities in this fiscal cocktail. In the Maryland sense, Maryland has gained notoriety because, as you said, about 30 states right now already tax at some form and at some level digital products, and digital services. However, what makes Maryland distinct is that they are advertising digital 
excuse me, they are taxing digital advertising. So that puts it into a very uncommon place among what has already occurred among states of, of uh, enlarging a little bit their sales tax base mm-hmm. uh, by taxing digital products and services. Maryland, on the other hand, is moving along. It's the first state to move along a rather dangerous path. And what exactly are they taxing? Because I think this is the part that's confusing. Are they, we always think about tax in terms of like nexus and source, right? So right. what exactly are they taxing and, and how broad is it? And, and why is that concerning? Well, what they're taxing is actually, it is in a gross revenue tax because it's not only what are they taxing, but how are they taxing it? Mm-hmm. And what they're taxing it is actually the advertising services that are placed there by big companies. So in other words, the flow of advertising placed and the revenues that flows from that digital advertising, it's what is being taxed. And and what is interesting is that they chose a manner of of advertising that is actually, uh, excuse me, a manner of taxing that is actually pretty complex for our times. Okay. And what makes it complex? What makes it complex is how you're going to do it. I mean, this presents some administrative impossibilities. For example, if you're using a pad and you're on a car, where are you? How are you going to tax this? The problem with this tax is, by the way, the tax in and of itself is rather complex because it not only has tables, but it offers a formulary apportionment into how our companies are going to be taxed. The problem is that it is based on localities, and a lot of Maryland companies themselves are exempted from this. So where is the consumer is going to be one of the difficulties, particularly since advertising may include everything from digital interfacing to banner type of advertising that you see when you go on Google or in the internet, when you go on search engine, you see some advertisings there and other type of, should we say, interspace advertising. For example, if you go to Google and then Google tells you to go to another website, you may also experience more advertising along the same advertising because a lot of it is algorithms and based on personal data or mm-hmm. user interface algorithm from that site where where, uh, where consumers go. And when you say that um, one of the questions is, where is the consumer? I mean, this seems like it would be fodder for potential challenges down the road, right? They, that maybe they aren't, it's not taxed fairly. Correct. It's, it's not taxed fairly for, for many different reasons. I was listening to the president of the Senate uh, not too long ago, and he was, when he was pressed by, I believe he was BBC and CNBC, when he was pressed about how exactly would they know that and would they know where to find the ultimate tax user, which I hope we can get to talk to, talk about in the next few minutes. He actually said, well, that is very complex and we're actually working on that or something to that fact. Because the problem is that although you may be a Maryland resident and you may be in Maryland, you may be actually be crossing into Pennsylvania to the north as you're moving or to the south into 
the District of Columbia. So the question becomes one of mobility and mm-hmm. connectivity in order to be taxed. But it sounds like the same kinds of questions that we're facing with respect to sales tax, but even more complicated because of the, the content, right? That, that it's digital adver- advertisements instead of something that maybe you could at least put your finger on and say, this is a tangible sale. That is correct. And, and again, what is interesting, that, that is very, very important, what you just said, because that presents some, in and of itself, a distortion of what the user data may present in order to maintain accurate taxation. And they don't know how they're going to do that. I think they're, in my opinion, they may be jumping a little bit ahead of what the market is actually capable capable right now to provide. For example, I heard, again, the Maryland president say in, in, the, in another interview on PBS, I believe, that right now they're not going to make that they hope that everyone is truthful and honest in their filings as they do with every other type of, of tax measure. The problem to that is that even the companies right now may not know where exactly those users are. And it will also depends on the power and strength of the company to actually track their users' basis when it comes to those kind of advertising. Right. And so let's go back to the um, example that you said before, like maybe someone's in a car, they're a Maryland resident, and they do cross over to Pennsylvania. Is the company expected to back that out of revenue for purposes of the tax? Like, are they supposed to say, okay, 90% of the time the user was in the state, but then this other 10% is not subject to tax? Is that sort of the way that it, it operates? That's right. And what is interesting is that what we've been looking at in in statistics, and there's been a lot of work being done of this, not only in Europe, but also in the United States, as a lot of the online advertisements are viewed on mobile devices. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a great majority, not only because of our young people, but also because of general consumers. They prefer mobile phones and and other and iPads and the sorts. Right. So so what happens is that for paying the charge imposed by the app, the determination of where physically is the consumer located creates a problem to view an advertisement for the purpose of taxation. And so the opposite Example, then, if you're a Pennsylvania resident and you cross over into Maryland, would that company then have to record that as a consumption or or how would that work? Well, that is going to be the problem. And you bring a very important word because the tracking and the record keeping, as I said in the very beginning, is going to make it almost not administratively impossible. It is within the realm of the technically possible in today's digital technology. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, what it does is it makes it burdensome, regardless of what kind of company you are, whether you're a giant tech or a middle advertising company, regardless, that makes it very burdensome to create that kind of databases to be able to keep tracking of all those consumers and especially across borders and mobility and connectivity. So just imagine. Right. Yeah. The consumer burden feels like it would be huge. And you referenced this earlier, but that means that bigger companies on some level have 
a considerable, I would argue, advantage over smaller companies that might not have those kind of resources. That's correct. And of course, we're thinking about mainly, or I should say the Senate in Maryland is thinking particularly of the big tech Mm -hmm. and the usual suspects. However, in reality, you have a lot of mid-size. For example, I was reading a broker of ad sales, advertisement sales, and digital advertisement sales that also do it locally. You may be not only, sometimes you're on YouTube, for example, and you see local advertisements. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at YouTube, for example, on your mobile phone, while you're crossing from Pennsylvania to New Jersey, or from Pennsylvania to Mar- into Maryland, then again, the tracking begins. So this, this demands rather sophisticated tracking devices in order to accurately tax and therefore, if I may say so, even have the proper nexus to tax, because then are we going to see the days in which New Jersey may say uh, to Pennsylvania, no, 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 actually, you're you're taxing my my revenue, right? not yours. And, and that will create. So what I'm thinking here, and forgive the, the terminology, but what I'm thinking here is, will it come a time that we're going to see some harmful tax competitions? on state that is involuntarily provided by trying to get that last nickel out of that digital advertising crossing boundaries. Right. And since you mentioned New Jersey, that wasn't um, one of the, the states on my list, but New York was. And, you know, New York tends to be fairly aggressive on the tax side. Do you see any other states coming down the road that are going to either mirror what Maryland is doing or go beyond what they're doing? Definitely. Uh, well, as you know, they right now, as I said already, about 30 states tax digital products and services in one way or another, mostly mm-hmm. through sales and use tax or other kind of user fees. However, as you know, we now have uh, Connecticut, Indiana, Oregon, Washington State, New York, uh, the District of Columbia, and there are probably others that are watching very, very closely because not only are they proposing the same type of on- online ads uh, uh, taxation, but also on the sale of personal data. And then something that we're watching very carefully because it's happening in Australia and New Zealand soon, and it may happen here, is social media companies being taxed not only on their advertising, but their activity, their commercial activities of using even content. So. States are watching very carefully. We're in a very, very perilous point in time because we keep looking at the at the legal arguments, but we're not paying attention to the market diffusion and the economic arguments that may come thereafter, regardless who wins the Maryland litigation. And this is, I guess, kind of a speculative question, but do you think that part of the problem with some of these kinds of laws is that maybe the legislatures don't fully understand what they're voting for. And I say that in the context of watching a lot of federal hearings where sometimes you'll hear some politicians struggle a little bit with their understanding of the internet and the way that is both way it operates and the way it's taxed. When these states are are kind of chasing dollars, do you think that they're thinking about these economic impacts? Like, have there been I mean, you're an economist. Have have there been studies or is this something that they're just kind of reacting to as we need money and this feels like a good stream of revenue? Like I'm I'm wondering how how much 
do you think that uh, folks have invested in terms of research and understanding the long-term ramifications of this? There are some studies, many of them, of course, and say took the lead on this some time ago. In Europe, there are some studies as to markets efficiencies and inefficiencies and any spillovers and and lost and transaction cost to both companies, etc. In the United States, we are only beginning to see, for example, the Maryland legislature itself mentions some reports by some economists, which um, and that is House Bill 732. In their literature, they mention some studies made by some economists in their favor. The problem that I had with that was that I didn't see an objective study by other economists into what would be the dead weight lost, right? Uh, mm -hmm. the that is the cost to to of inefficiency of a particular of the way a market works. We have not really delved into these things. And as you said, sometimes it is just literally by social understanding of what the internet does and how some of these companies have been, and forgive me for saying, but somewhat vilified. We know that all the tech giants right now are under pressure throughout the world for unfairly paying their tax. And, and of course, that should be addressed either through corporate tax or sales tax. So we are now creating more ways, rightly or wrongfully, I'm not taking sides, mm -hmm. but objectively, that should be study of what would be the long-term and short-term implication of not only capital, but revenue deficiencies and optimality when it comes to digital taxation. And what's happening is we're really jumping the gun. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are better alternatives? Yes, I, I, I personally believe so. I think that some of the other models that you see, for example, in Nebraska, et cetera, there are others. And, and I, I don't know if you know this, but I have a surprise with you in a couple of seconds. Okay. The other, the other alternative is we know that we're, we're going to need to widen and span the tax base in states, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. They're going to need to raise revenue quickly. They're going to need to stand up to the kind of expenditures that was done during the COVID crisis. It's not over by any means because the implications and effect of COVID will be here for the next three to four years. And as they move on to fiscal year 2022 and 23, we know that the gaps will be there and they're going to have to fill it. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it be better to go on a more tax certain revenue recognition perspective of measuring what you can get out of services and taxations within sales and other type of activities and not wander off into the minefield and becoming a, as I mentioned in a in, in an article that I wrote recently, and becoming the fiscal canary for the United States by going into constitutional argumentation. That was kind of my my overarching concern when I was um, I actually read a piece that you wrote recently, and and I'm looking at the challenges that we've seen on the sales tax side, and this feels like that, but worse. You know, like where is the line? Who gets taxed? How do we carry this out? Are we infringing on other states' rights? I mean, it just feels like there's a lot of potential pitfalls. And there are. There are. You're absolutely correct. And, and one of the problems doesn't only lie in the need to raise that revenue 
on a, in the post-COVID era and in and towards economic recovery. The problem is that we're beginning, for example, recently in 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 the UK, that the treasurer in 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 the UK is called the Chancellor Sunak said there will be no immediacy to raise taxes. We have to allow economic activity and market exchange to return on its own. And I wish to an extent that we we thought like this here. We got to give it a little time. Mm-hmm. Then when businesses, many businesses, many businesses fail, small and medium-sized enterprises. So we need some of them to come back. Right. Recover that tax base loss. Then what we also need to do is to make sure as to who will bear the final and ultimate tax incidents. The surprise I had for you is that you probably saw that not only Maryland is simultaneously trying uh, just passed the digital advertising tax, but also just overrode the governor. And now they also have a sales and use tax on digital services as well. A more expanded one. So are you really here making the goose his by plucking too much of his feather? Right, right. Too quickly. Do you do you think that there's going to be an over-reliance on taxing the internet generally? Is do you think that's kind of a next step? Because and I say that kind of uh still thinking as I'm asking the question, but thinking about the fact that during COVID, we've all been relying a lot. On the internet, you and I are talking over Zoom right now. Most people who are listening to the podcast are going to be hearing it on Apple Podcasts or Google or Stitcher, something like that. So, you know, obviously there's been an uptick in the way that we use the internet during COVID. Do you think that we're maybe over relying on the internet for our tax revenue because of that? To some extent, yes. It can be managed successfully because. The trick here is how do we draw that balance, that equilibrium, right, between making sure that there is no distortion in the market and that the right parties are taxed mm-hmm. and that the consumer will not be overly taxed because at the end of the day, consumers everywhere will pay the final burdens of that tax. It will bear the final burdens of that tax incidence. So the real question is, we do know that we are in the age of the global digital economy. Therefore, in this new revolution, this new digital revolution, we will need the adequate taxes. And of course, the next frontier is digital taxation, whether it's streaming, whether it's uh, uploading, downloading, Netflix and other companies, movie sales, regardless. But how do you do it? And how do you frame it so that, and I know we don't have that kind of time in a recovery period, which we have not entered yet, but nevertheless, it has to be done properly, not to overburden the the consumers and make sure that whatever market intervention there is, is correct. So it doesn't create distortions and that way loss due to, to society as a whole due to inefficiencies. Do you think that some of the reason that our streaming and our digital taxes are a little different from what we're seeing in Europe because of privacy laws? Or do you think that those are not related? No, they are very related. And you touch on a very key point. We should make 
we should make digital taxation, forgive me for saying this uh, in a neutral base, but we should make digital taxation uniquely American. And I mean by that is that we should not be mimicking an Austrian digital tax or a French digital tax. And Maryland, Maryland's digital tax have actually bottled, uh, modeled around both the Austrian and the French tax to a great extent. Mm-hmm. So we should make this, we should not be mimicking them because number one, the Europeans, especially the 27 countries of the European Union, will have a common base and a common regulation within a single market. And here, the United States has a, we, we don't have a confederation or even that kind of a supranational governance. What we have is independent states creating their own taxing revenues and opportunities, which is shared with the federal government constitutionally. So what they need to do is come up with their own models, study correctly, and make sure it fits their particular governmental business style. And what I mean by that is you also need to recreate and upgrade your public finance system and not be trying to tax digital products with a public finance administration system still left over from the 20th century. So it's interesting that you you mentioned the the EU and and the differences between the EU and the United States because we have a lot of uh, clients at the firm um, that do inbound business transactions from Europe, and it always surprises them when they're here that our taxation between states especially when the um, in the Northeast where, where I'm located is so different from state to state compared to, you know, the, the fact that the, the EU has a much, as you pointed out, a much more similar base. So when they come here, they don't understand that they literally can drive across the state line from Pennsylvania to New Jersey or to Maryland and everything changes. So um, I hadn't thought about it that way when you, when you were, until you were speaking, but that makes a lot of sense that we wouldn't want to model our system directly off of theirs when it's so very different. And that is quite true. And that is something that we we actually experiment and reckon with on a daily basis. A lot of inbound sellers to the United States are now beginning to realize little by little and trying to keep up, for example, with Wayfair economics thresholds mm-hmm. and their obligations to report in about in some cases, up to 500 to 1,000 jurisdictions wherever they're selling, and how exactly those those uh, the enforceabilities of that of of those tax obligations are going, where are they going to take them, and how they can do it. So we are still reeling from the Wayfair models and challenges. And by the way, Maryland has done the same thing with digital tax that South Dakota did with Wayfair, for example. South Dakota literally went against the brick wall, in this case, physical brick building wall of uh, in-state buildings, Mm -hmm. to say, listen, we are on a digital age, and now we are facing a a complete different perspective. We are now in a digital age with its own base erosion problems. So guess what? We have to readjust to that digital age. And we're asking the courts to recognize e-commerce and the particular ways in how it functions. And we have to become very well versed in this. 
well, this is happening too here in Maryland. They're trying to break the same brick wall and saying, look, we know that the Internet Freedom Act said this. This law was crafted 1996. Does it fit our time? Okay. And then, yes, there are issues of commercial uh, First Amendment speech. Yes. Mm -hmm. But how are we going to reckon this in our time? And how are we going to deal with dormant commerce clause or commerce clause issues that may have disparities in market that sometimes favor another? For example, that's what I see in the Maryland in the in the uh, Maryland bill, how it exempted a lot of Maryland companies, and that is just asking for trouble, in my point of view. Oh yeah, no, I I think that that's what you see where that's what lands up in court. So since you mentioned Wayfair, I think this is actually kind of a, a really good place to kind of summarize. I think you know one of the things that's interesting about Wayfair is that at one point, you know, before it went to the Supreme Court, before we had the decision. There were just a lot of moving parts. All of the states were kind of looking at it and they were having their own reaction to how they wanted to treat online sales. And it was it was hard. It still is. But it was hard uh, even before the, the decision to kind of focus in on what you should look out for, right? Because some states, you know, you had states um, like Massachusetts saying we're going to look at cookies. Like there, there were just so many pieces moving that it was kind of hard to focus as it moved forward. Is there any particular state other than Maryland, or is there any particular part of the Maryland tax that you think people should stay focused on kind of as the other states start adopting variations on this? Because I do get the sense just based on our conversation and things that I've read that, you know, this probably will be headed to court at some point. And I do think we're going to see a lot more of these kinds of discussions that you and I are having. Is there anything that if you had to pull out and say like, these are the couple of things you should focus on, but you know, and not get distracted by all the other what ifs. What would those be? Like, what should taxpayers and tax practitioners think about as these um, these taxes move through the system? Like, what should they be aware of? That's an excellent question, and I'm going to answer by starting where you started, and that is with Wayfair. To me, digital taxation at this moment in time, like I said, the cocktail of fiscal opportunities. It's, as you remember, I said at the onset, it's very dangerous to some extent, because if you remember, uniformity in Wayfair has just yet to be achieved. Mm-hmm. The states, we have not even reckoned completely with uniformity of taxation, uniformity of economic thresholds for Wayfair and marketplace providers and facilitators, and states have had a very hard time adapting. So without even finishing that, we are already moving to even a more complex measured and studied area. So based on this, we should be looking at what we are really, how we are really drafting and proposing these these taxes. For example, practitioners should be looking at the kind of personal data that is used not only for advertisement, but it's being sold and exchanged between companies that may be taxable. There will be new factors coming out as to what are social, how are social medians going to be taxed? Are we going to be looking at the taxation of content as we are, as we are beginning to see in Australia? And I'm beginning to see the same kind of tremors in New Zealand. So 
what kind of formulary apportionments are they creating? For example, the Maryland legislation creates a formulary apportionment based on local and worldwide earnings. It's almost similar to worldwide income taxation, but except that it's a gross receipt tax. So practitioners must be looking at how do they measure worldwide taxation or global receipts mm-hmm. in, the, in the denominator here. And they should also, by the way, be looking at how those advertising works across borders, as we were speaking. And we will see other factors that will arise from that kind of apportionment and how are these formula are going to be recreated. For example, just like in state income taxation, we have all these different formulary apportionment. What will this be in Maryland happen to be local versus global receipts? How will it be, for example, in Indiana with a social media search charge tax added on to it? See? Mm-hmm. So we would we we need to not only read the legislation carefully, but actually take objections. And I don't mean to go over there and challenge it. <laughs> I mean actually take objections to how are they taxing companies because at the end of the day there will be a dead weight loss. And the dead weight loss here will be what the consumer will have to pay at the very end. And I think that's why, you know, it matters for taxpayers in particular, like even if they don't understand all of the the drafting and the proposing and the and the data and, and where it's coming from, what they're going to notice is, is this more expensive for me in the end? That's correct. That's correct. In fact, there's something interesting. I read that I, I saw the president of the Maryland Senate correctly state, may I say, that if they do not start taxing digital services and advertising, they will literally have negative externalities, you know, which is, of course, how unrelated parties end up paying a sort of, of bill. How did that But if you over-regulate and over-intervene, you end up having another type of negative externality with a greater social cost in front of it, because who can pay this? And mm-hmm. how many other small ad brokers are you going to obliterate? So are you disrupting or destroying markets? Are you intervening with positive externalities, or are you creating more negative externalities that will create burden and tax incidents in the wrong to the wrong parties? And I think that's something that that we're not going to know for a while, right? It's something that has to kind of work itself out. That's correct. And again, we do that by appropriately, and and I don't mean take long-term economic studies as to the implications and short-term impact, but at least looking at the business cycle, looking at the recovery decline. We're not even in recovery yet. We're still trying to maintain the public health consequences of COVID. So as we move into recovery and we move a little bit into regional growth and thereby states and municipalities, we will be able then to ascertain how to best, what is the best method to intervene? Intervention is good by government sometimes in the balance, in the balance between government services and consumer services Mm -hmm. and the availability of, of both. So how are we going to manage that? 
And how are we going to do that without precipitating a catastrophe and actually becoming a barrier to recovery more, more, more in a municipal perspective? Well, um, it sounds like I'm going to have to have you back on in a year or so so that we can figure out how this worked and, uh, and whether or not the recovery was affected. That is correct. And let me add, it, it would be very good to see that because what I'm beginning to look at, it will be what I call the mounting transactional cost of participating in the digital advertising markets. That means that somewhere along the line, these prices are going to go up and prices mechanisms will actually create favor regions. It's just natural to to market functions. So at that point, I think you and I will need to discuss this again. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Well, thank you so much for coming on uh, today and talking about this. If uh, you or your company, if people wanted to find you, where would you send them, uh, either on the web or on social media, to find you or Vertex? Yes, thank you very much. They can find me on LinkedIn. You can also go to vertexinc.com and particularly take a look at us in the chief tax office part of the resources and you can contact me through there as well. Wonderful. And I'll make sure I put those links in our show notes. Thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. I thank you very much for speaking today with you. Thank you. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.